The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane, joined by Sean Martin. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Follow Sean at Sean Martin NFL. And what a surprise! Sunday night football had in store between the Colts and the Cowboys. Did you see that coming, Sean? No, I'd be lying if I said I saw the full extent of fifty-four nineteen coming. You don't just get a thirty-three to nothing run in the fourth quarter of a game like that. Very often, the Cowboys, of course, of course, did score over 50 points twice last season, but those were both in NFC East games where they were, you know, completely overmatching their opponents when it was against Washington and then, you know, a basically Eagles practice squad in Week 17. And now we're going to look ahead to playing, you know, a much different Eagles team in a couple of weeks here. But this is the start of a couple of weeks where the Cowboys were expected to, again, not necessarily have games like this, you know, quite as much of a disparity in score, but games the Cowboys are certainly expected to win all the way through that next Eagles matchup, and so what a better way to start it off than really proving that they can put together a full performance, they can work through some of the issues that came up early in this game that looked like they were going to be persistent and keep it close for a while. You know, you gave Matt Ryan some early confidence in this game, he got the ball to his receivers like Alec Pierce, who had that uh, touchdown to make it tight. You had Jonathan Taylor going up against the run defense that we know has been suspect at times. So, yeah, it was a game that had all the makings of not being at all favorable for the Cowboys. And instead, it's a 50-burger, 54-19. So it does feel good to start off a victory Monday. Yeah, I, I was expecting really something along the lines of a, a struggle, kind of like what the Eagles and the Colts had at Lucas Oil Stadium. When they met, I believe it was two weeks ago, and I thought that, you know, they'd have a good game plan. They'd shut down the run a little bit. They'd exploit Dallas's run defense with Jonathan Taylor, and uh, you saw something open up with Alec Pierce. But, again, what's really been the winning combo for the Cowboys and what Everson Walls referred to as that defense is like the Showtime Lakers. I mean, man, when they get going on takeaways and then the offense is cashing in on those takeaways, 
it gets lopsided in a hurry. And really, I don't think that that score, uh, the, you know, disparity, really reflects how poor the Indianapolis Colts are. I don't think they're that bad of a team. But it's just when Dallas gets rolling, you can't stop them. And I think that that's kind of um, what fans wanted to see from the start of the game. Because I was looking on Twitter just at some of the fans, you know, some were saying, oh, well, Dak Prescott, I mean, they paid all this money for him. Oh, he's just a, a mid as a quarterback. Yeah. The curse of the red stripe is over, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, that too. I may have started that a little bit, though. Um, but <laughs> That was you? I was Because uh, I'll be honest, I was actually concerned coming into the game because of that, which I know is stupid and goes against everything I try to bring to the show and prepare with stats and facts. But I was legitimately concerned that we were going to have a repeat of the Denver game just because of a couple inches of red tape on the helmet. Yeah, I... I was just goofing around, though, when I said, well, you know, this uh, red, the red, white, and blue stripe tends to come out during the blueprint games. But, um, you know, <laughs> it's, but then I saw someone else talk about in the first quarter, oh, my gosh, another fan. Oh, this team is so inconsistent. They're so, you know, it's like it's the first quarter, for goodness sakes. And I think this is what fans expected was this 54 54- you know, point performance, but just spread out throughout the entire game, not scoring 33 points in the fourth quarter. And to look at this from, like, the Colts' perspective for a second, you know, they, whether they'll admit it or not, they kind of signed up for at some point you have to go through a game like this when they hired Jeff Saturday, right? You know, it was such a criticized move. It was an inexperienced coach. But I don't know if many Colts fans looking ahead at the games that Saturday would be coaching in you know, they probably weren't thrilled to have to be playing Dallas. You know, you might chalk it up as a loss preemptively, but I don't think you're looking at that one as the one where, you know, Saturday is going to get completely outcoached, outmatched, and not look like, you know, his team belonged on the field. I don't think you, the general fan, looks at Mike McCarthy's staff like that and says, oh, yeah, the Cowboys are just going to run circles around us coaching-wise and, you know, talent-wise, and that's the game that Saturday's going to not look like his team is prepared for, but that's pretty much exactly what happened. I think Dan Quinn, of course, you know, again, deserves a lot of credit. The avalanche of turnovers was certainly something there to see in the fourth quarter. But what impressed me the most about Quinn in this game was, you know, being able to turn the tide early. I think that Donovan Wilson sack really got things going. And usually he doesn't dial up those aggressive blitzes and those pressures until the Cowboys offense has given him a bit of a lead to work with. And that's, of course, been pretty easy for Dak Prescott to do since he's been back in the lineup, but that hasn't been happening, you know, in this game. And he still just said, okay, we're coming after Matt Ryan though. Of course he was the former quarterback at the Falcons when Quinn was the head coach and all that. And so he knows his weaknesses. He knows he's a pocket passer you can get after. And so that Wilson sack really did change things as far as in the defense. They didn't have a huge lead to play with yet at that point, but they still did what they do best. They got aggressive and they started getting the turnovers from there. And, you know, the offense was able to find a rhythm off of it and, that's how you end up in an end result of winning by, you know, 54 to 19 margin. And that's what concerned me about really the game. And that maybe is going to be more of a, a uh, back alley brawl than I, and fans were anticipating was Dan Quinn was going to his bag of tricks early. You know what I mean? And 
I thought that that was going to lead to more of a struggle. But now instead that, um, like you talked about, it was just kind of like the, uh, just the Santa Claus bag of turnovers and takeaways. And there you go. And then that's what, that was the impetus. And, and, uh, I think the real question now is how much of this blowout can we believe in? You know, because it was stupendous. You had Deron Bland get two interceptions. Malik Hooker looked awesome. But how much of this blowout is sustainable? I say you can really take parts of all of it as far as just being a perfect game when it was all said and done for the Cowboys, you know, for the Cowboys here, you had, you know, this next stretch of three weeks where we were all saying, Oh, you're going to be favorited, but same old Cowboys are going to have a trap game at some point here. It'll get to swipe up. And then the Eagles will be even more in the driver's seat in the East. You know, that's what, that's what is worrying us about this stretch of games with the Colts now beyond us. And you have the Texans and the Jaguars coming up. So, all said and done, though, this stretch of three potential trap games, I mean, could you ask for anything better? They started out, you know, we use the term play after food a lot, and you know, they started out kind of doing that. But to me, this coaching staff has earned a little bit of that benefit of the doubt where you can even say at the beginning of the game, maybe they were just, you know, realizing they were playing a team that they had the advantage against and were trying to work on some things. You know, it seemed like there was more of an emphasis on Tony Pollard to be that more of an every down taking even more snaps away from Ezekiel Elliott type of back. So it was a focus on him early, and I did help Elliott be that closer type of back when the, the lead in the game was out of hand. So, you know, last year we wouldn't, we wouldn't have said anything close to that about Kellen Moore. There were small subsects in the fans that were saying that he was saving the good stuff for the playoffs, and that's why the offense struggled down the stretch. But that was always a fantasy, and of course it didn't work out in the playoffs. So this year, though, I think Kellen has earned that credit to where if you know, if you are taking the field against a team that you know you should handle like they did on Sunday night, you know, you can use that early sequencing to just work on some things and really see what you have. And Quinn had to do the same thing, unfortunately, because of some injuries to Anthony Brown out there. Had to go see what Deron Bland is made of, and it worked out very well for him. And, you know, Sam Williams getting more reps in the defensive line, and he could have even had a defensive touchdown as well. So, yeah, full body of work this game, I think there's a lot you can pull from it in terms of not falling for the trap game, of course, winning definitively over an inferior opponent and and still, you know, selling some new wrinkles on offense, showing that, that they're trying to evolve, adapt, and have some new things ready by the time the Eagles come to town on Christmas Eve. Yeah, and that that's what I think is it was a game until the fourth quarter. And the Cowboys, I felt like we're going to win the game because they had Ezekiel Elliott going. He was able to pick up those dirty yards. The defense was able to mitigate any mistakes that Prescott was making. And it just, you know, if it had just been a three-quarter, I, I know that that's like oxymoronic or whatever. But <laughs> if it had just been a three-period game, um, I still think Dallas did enough that wasn't concerning to beat the Colts. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I just think the fourth quarter and the, the blowout aspect of it, I, you know, that's just the, 
wheels coming off of a dysfunctional team for this, through the first three quarters when the Colts were a formidable opponent. I think Dallas was a step ahead of them. Um, I don't think that they played with their food necessarily beyond the first quarter. You know, um, I know I've been like style points don't matter guy, but you know, at a certain point you can nuance your way into, you know, how did you achieve those style points? And are you making those impact plays? Turnovers go such a long way in winning and losing in this league right now. And, you know, that was a big concern in the off season of, oh, the Cowboys got auto turnovers last year. They can't possibly do it again this year. But that is something that tends to come in bunches. And, you know, man, they came in bunches tonight. So. I, I think that it's a believable win because I don't think the Colts really are as bad as their record shows. I think that they can get, you know, I think if you let them hang around, they're going to beat you. And that was kind of the message that was permeating out of the star this week was a, a respect for the Colts. So, you know, they did their job. So here's really what I what I'm curious about is how much of playing the Colts in prime time, though, had an effect on mitigating that whole trap game effect. Because it's one thing to play uh you know, a four, seven and one team at noon at AT&T Stadium with Spiro Didez and Adam Archuleta calling the game for the Dumont Network or whatever. But it's another when it's Sunday night football and Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth is here, you know, and they're handing out game balls and all of that. There's that aspect to it. Do you think that takes out the whole element of a trap game at that point? I mean, they could be playing the Dayton Triangles at that point, and it's a big deal. Well, in some ways, you know, the Colts have a lot of experienced players, though, who've been in this situation before, and none more than Matt Ryan. And even Jeff Saturday, for just a couple of games, he has already coached in prime time as well. But they lost at home on a Monday night game to Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. So, you know, I do think it helped the Cowboys a bit. You know, the Cowboys look for. They want to be in these games, of course. They know they know no matter what they're going to be in prime time. So they look for players that can handle it, and you know, coaches understand the moment, and the players certainly understood it on Sunday night. You know, it was a lot of players that you know the general fan might not have been as acclimated to, but you, you know, you certainly learned who Deron Bland and Sam Williams and more than just Micah Parsons are on this defense, and you even learned on the offense, you know, more about. Besides just Prescott, Elliot Pollard, Lamb, Gallup, how far do you want to go as far as like these known names, you know, because of fantasy and all that? I think those are all common things, but, you know, what they have at tight end, it's more than just Dalton Souls. What they have on the offensive line as they're trying to work for the future plan being, it seems that Tyron Smith will, of course, play left tackle and he's ready to go. And then that's going to mean Tyler Smith, LF guard, and they're already trying to work on that and get him those reps. So, you know, to think that the offensive line could even get better, the tight end game can get better, the run game ended up pretty balanced when it was all said and done. Like I said, there was a heavy emphasis on power early that I found interesting. And I'm going to be writing about that at bloggingtheboys.com for us. But the final split, you know, part of this is because of Elliot just being used as your bruising back to wind down the clock in the game you had in hand. But the final split, I think, is exactly what Kellen is looking for. Pollard had 12 carries, 91 yards. 
two touchdowns and the 7.6 yards per carry, so he's still your big play guy. And then Elliott, like I said, doing the more punishing work, 17 carries, so only five more than Pollard. 77 yards, not too far behind, just a 4.5 yards per carry, but he did still find the end zone, and it was efficient on the ground for the Cowboys once again. So, yeah, they were they were prepared for this game just like any other game. You know, No matter what window it was in, I don't think it mattered all that much, but just as far as the Colts not being ready for prime time, you might have caught them sleeping, you know, especially there in the second half. Yeah, I don't know that it's the Colts being ready for prime time as much as it is because it's a prime time game. Now the Cowboys are amped up for it, regardless of the opponent, because, like I said, it's one thing to play. Like, just take a look. It's coming up at the end of this week. They're playing the one ten and one Texans. At AT&T Stadium in a noontime start. I mean, that's trap game right there. You know? So, And that's, so that's what I'm saying is, because it was in prime time, I think that amped up Dallas a little bit more. Had it been, you know, this... I mean, take a look at four years ago, for example, in the game that um, RJ Ochoa, the Blogging Boys managing editor... Uh, who you can catch on the Ocho on Tuesdays. Uh, when he went with his father up there to Lucas Oil Stadium in December of 2018, and Dallas was doing well, and all they needed was like a win to wrap up the NFC East, and then they got shut out. And that's what I'm, and again, that was a noontime start, and it was eh, a, no big deal. But with this, it was a Sunday night game, and it's prime time, and I think that might have amped up Dallas a little bit more throughout the week. By the way, that last Colts-Cowboys game, like you referenced, is shut out against Dallas. I had to write a little bit about that for a site this week, and some of the names from that box score, man, that game was an instant blast from the past. Matt Eberflus was calling the defense for the Colts. He's now the head coach of the Bears, of course. You had you know Scott Linehan's offense being ineffective with, you know, Kellen Moore and, you know, making that transition then after that season. And, yeah, there's so many blasts in the past names as far as just looking at, you know, what got what got done that day. Cole Beasley, I think, was like one of your leading receivers <laughs> for Prescott. So every week I do a, a poem preview based on, you know, past matchups between the Cowboys and that week's team. And I did remember that shutout, but I just didn't remember the level of detail as far as a lot of guys who are no longer on either sideline and, or was a forgettable game for the Cowboys and RJ in the stands for. Yeah, and you mentioned Scott Linehan's offense being ineffective and Kellen Moore was the quarterback's coach. The next year, Linehan's gone, and then Kellen Moore takes over as the offensive coordinator. And since 2019, since Kellen Moore has basically been calling the plays, uh... The Cowboys' offense leads the NFL with 13 40-burgers. Second closest is Kansas City with, I believe it's nine. Yeah, it's nine. Uh, I've got the tweet at the Real Mark Lane if you want to go look at it. But that's how... That's how dominant Dallas has been, or prolific they've been with Kellen Moore on the headset. 
And yeah, that, that speaks to the amazing confidence that Prescott's playing with too. And I mean, there were times in this game where, and in past games since he's been back too, but really this game, you saw it, you know, he's almost playing with too much confidence in some of these throws, you know, throwing the ball to Gallup before he's fully out of his break, anticipating he's going to get across the face of his defender and make a catch. And that didn't work out for an interception and a couple other throws that were behind, things like that. So, you know, Prescott's confidence is just at an all-time high, and you know that certainly helps you put up some 40-burgers when Cohen can trust him to make every throw, and he thinks he can make every throw, but it's just a matter of making sure he's on the same page with these receivers, you know, more consistently as we go down the stretch of the season. And one receiver that is slated to come back is James Washington, who they've opened the practice window for as he comes off of injured reserve. So... You've got James Washington coming back. In a couple of weeks, Tyron Smith will be making his way back. They just beat the Colts like a drum. Um, how do you see these contributors? I mean, you know, I'd say James Washington's a contributor. Tyron Smith, he's a stalwart. But how do you see these guys coming back into the mix with the Cowboys offense and not upsetting any of the cohesion. How do you work these guys back in? Well, for Austin, I think it's simple. You know, I think even with putting up 54 points, we know how many of those points were spurred on by the defense. There's still a need and a receiver to broadcast at plenty of time. With this game being out of hand, to talk about you know another receiver, we all know that's Odell Beckham, who comes in for his visit to the star today. So, you know, that's still very much in play, and we'll see what happens there. But, you know, with Washington, I think, you know, there's still a clear need for the skill set he brings at receiver. We all like what we saw from CDIM against the Colts here with the pre-snap motion and getting him in some different looks, you know, going across the field to draw different defenders and just get the ball to him in space is a point of emphasis for the Cowboys offense right now. So, Washington can do a lot of those same things. He can take the top off the defense when he's healthy. He can play, you know, those underneath slant throws that you're trying to fit into Gallup that are more contested right now. And and avoid to some of these turnovers as well. So, yeah, another receiver could certainly help, whether it's Washington or Odell or even both. You know, you can have those options at receiver, and then it would come down to more just, you know, knowing how to work that rotation and get the most out of all of them, which at one point I might have said, I don't know if he's the right coordinator for that, but right now I think it's, you know, more than fair to say, yeah, Kellen Moore deserves all of the chances to, you know, incorporate any given player into this offense. Just look at what he's done for both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard and, you know, look at what he's done for the tight end room this year, getting throws to, we all thought it was just going to be Dalton Soltz taking over this year and earning a big contract and everybody behind him was just a deaf piece. But, you know, Jake Ferguson, Peyton Henderson have made meaningful plays all year long and they do whack-a-mole in the Salvation Army kettle. I mean, yeah, keep adding depth to this offense and just let Kellen Cook, let him work on this thing. And, of course, both Beckham or Washington would do that. The only one you're guaranteed to have is James Washington. And I think, you know, they're going to make an emphasis to get him the ball since nothing is on tape yet for the Cowboys doing that for him. And so they can use that down the stretch now to have yet another wrinkle. With time and Smith, it gets a little bit harder. You know, normally you would say you don't want a massive change like this on the offensive line this late in a year as far as having to do a shuffle unless it's mandated by injury, but in this case, it's really not. The positive, of course, is that Tyron Smith is such a, you know, a pro's pro. He's a veteran. He's a guy who everybody else on the Cowboys offensive line and Dak Prescott already knows. So that, I think, is going to mitigate a lot of that concern in terms of 
you know, just making a change for the hell of it. And he's going to be out there at left tackle. And that means good things, mostly for Tyler Smith, who can go up on, you know, get up on these linebackers, go play on the second level, and really help this run game be even more dominant. So that when you do have, you know, later early in the game, or you're trying to establish that run, you can do that with Tyler Smith now at left guard. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And that's the one I think they're going to have to try to be careful with is the offensive line with all those pieces. That's the cohesion that you've got to keep in mind. Because, you know, James Washington... You know, he can come in, he can get his snaps, but I don't think it's really going to disrupt the overall, you know, dynamics of the passing game. Here's what I would ask James Washington, though, with uh, Anthony Brown leaving the game with the ankle injury, just pretty much blue medical tent, then to ride in the cart to the locker room. I'd ask James Washington... You think you can play some cornerback? Yeah, if they're gonna ask Odell that today, I, <laughs> he's not—he's not doing a workout for any team. So I think that would probably chase him out of town pretty quick. It's like, hey, I'm not even gonna run routes and be a receiver, and now you're asking me to be a corner. So <laughs> don't know how well that would go over. But yeah, imagine getting invited over to like a Cowboys slumber party with Dak Prescott and and Kellen Moore and C.D. Lamb and. All that. You know, it all reminds me. I know it's not really the same, but it kind of reminds me of how DeAndre Jordan got kidnapped and <laughs> they kept him there with the, an iconic moment in Dallas sports. Right? Yeah. And they kept him there with the Clippers at his house in Houston. If you were going to attend that sleepover, what you would go to snack to bring? So you know, you got to bring good snacks to a sleepover. Uh, I'm going to go with you know, it's so bland, but rolled gold pretzels. I've been craving those lately. No, that's a solid choice. Yeah, I I need to hit up an ATB soon and restock. You know, do my weekly grocery shopping. I'm a bit behind on that, and yeah, I can now. I'm gonna pick up some petrols probably because you said that. So thanks. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I get salt cravings or whatever, and then I'll take like the honey roasted ones are great, or like whatever they call those, like the petrols that have like the little honey flavor or whatever. Those are those are the best ones. Yeah, and so I'll get salt cravings, like I said, and the roll golds. They they do well. If I don't get the roll golds, what also works is those soy sauce packets you get from the Chinese restaurant. I'll just suck the soy sauce out of those. <laughs> Why? 
That's the most unhinged food take in the history of the Blog and the Boys podcast network. I'm comfortable saying that, even though we have a guy like RJ on this network who says all kinds of outlandish food takes. But Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happens anymore. Is Did it, you find a pork roll sandwich in Ohio yet? Uh, no, you're supposed to find it for me. And I'll find uh, it. Yeah. But what we're really okay. trying to find is a path for Dallas to win the NFC East because, oh, the Eagles, they just tore apart the, the floundering Tennessee Titans. Oh, my goodness. They're <laughs> just on their way to being the, the greatest team of all time, the team of the 2020s, you know. Um, but they've got a three-game road trip coming up at New York, at Chicago, at Dallas, and then they get the Saints, close out at home with the Giants. Again, they're 10-1. and one. All they need to do is drop a game, either against the Giants and the Bears, coming into that Dallas matchup on December 24th. If Dallas wins... And they both have the same record. Dallas has the better division record. And then the Eagles, they'll have two division losses to the Cowboys one. And if Dallas wins out after that, they win the NFC East. So, I mean, I think the path is still viable. What do you think? Yeah, the path is certainly there. You know, Cowboys-style points and all. They didn't, unfortunately didn't get any help. Earlier in the day on Sunday, the Eagles did beat the Titans, like you said, and then the Minnesota Vikings in the race for the top overall seed. They beat Cowboys legend, former Cowboys legend Mike White, playing quarterback for the Jets, so they got that home win, despite the Jets really making a late effort to go steal that game, but they, they couldn't get it done as the Vikings you know, were too much for them and just continued to prove why they're still a contender in the NFC, despite, of course, the Cowboys big head-to-head win against Minnesota, but they still need help in that way if they're going to pass either of those teams for the division or the seeding. What their win against the Colts does do is now the Cowboys and Eagles have four non-divisional common opponents right now. And, you know, this is almost in the spirit of, like, the college football playoff committee looking at, you know, point differentials and things like that. But it does paint the case of, like you said, the path being viable. You know, the Cowboys and the Eagles have both played the Lions. It was back in week one for Philly. They only won that game by a field goal. 38-35, Cowboys beat the Lions 24-6, so that's, you know, a more convincing win. And that's where I'm going with this as far as they both played the Vikings. The Eagles did look great in that game. It was a Monday night game against Kirk Cousins, so it was kind of handed to them, but they won 24-7 in that game. Cowboys beat the Vikings 40-3, as we all know. You know, the Packers game still stands out as an outlier. That could very well be the one game that really holds the Cowboys back from, you know, achieving what they wanted to this regular season. Not going to hold them back from the playoffs, doesn't seem, so... You'll have your ticket to, you know, being this NFC field that looks wide open. But the Eagles did, of course, beat the Packers 40-33 to on their home field. Cowboys lost 31-28 at Lambeau. So you can't reverse that one. But now we also have the Colts game to look at where the Eagles narrowly escaped on the road at the Colts 17-16. to Jalen Hurts needed to score a rushing touchdown. He's been so great with his legs this year and again on Sunday against the Titans. So he gets in the end zone late and they escape 17-16. And the Cowboys now beat the Colts, you know, by much more than just a one point the Eagles did, 54 to 19. So, yeah, the path is right there for this Cowboys team and, you know, hopefully get a little bit of help along the way because that's what they need. And the Giants are in a tight game with the Commanders who did beat the Eagles on Sunday. So maybe that's a slip up game for the Eagles. Maybe Justin Fields pulls a rabbit out of his hat and has some magic in that game against Philadelphia. And, you know, somewhere along the way, certainly there's an option for the Eagles to drop a game on top of the expected loss that all these scenarios are covering 
with the Cowboys taking care of business and beating the Eagles on Christmas Eve. Much easier said than done, but you know, we're expecting a big performance that game to set up a chance for the top spot in the NFC East. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, if they lose to the Eagles in Week 16, it'll be the first time since 2011 that Dallas has been swept by the Eagles. Oh, and that series finale was also played on December 24th. So, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe history's going to rhyme if uh, you're someone that sides with Brandon Lee Gowton when you listen to the NFC East mixtape Wednesdays on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. RJ Ochoa also hosts that show, too. See, he gets all the podcast time to extol the virtues of pecan pie over pumpkin pie, or is it pecan pie? Man, I let me tell you, I got in so much trouble my you know my first year here in Austin. It was probably around this time, um, and Shiner Beer, of course, which is used in Texas, makes a winter winter season always a pecan porter, and it, which is a great beer, by the way. It did it, it's not just in Texas; it actually made it up to New Jersey. So I knew about it before I moved here, but to see it, you know. 30 cases deep in ATBs was, you know, different than what it would be here or up there. And so I'm in the back of an ATB working on our side of things and the signer, a rep from signer and that distributor is in there. And she straight up did not know what I was saying because I was pronouncing it. I don't even know which way I was pronouncing it at that point because now I say pecan, but I, I was probably saying pecan. And she was like, wait, what are you talking about? And she could not for the life of it figure out what was going on because of that pronunciation difference. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm not from Texas. So like you already knew this. We don't need to do this whole back and forth of how to pronounce things. But yeah, now I guess I've been acclimated and, and call it pecan. Pecan pie though, to make this less, <laughs> less ridiculous, pecan pie is not good. Let me just put that out there. Pumpkin pie is great. It deserves all the holidays. If you want to throw apple pie in there for Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever, give apple pie a shout out. But no, RJ, pecan pie does not deserve any love because it's not good. I mean, I, I think it's good. I just, I like pumpkin pie. Yeah, it's I mean, okay. I like pumpkin like, yeah, pie pecan over. pie is. Um, <laughs> by the way, first time I ever heard it called. It's the Daniel Jones of pies. Uh, that is actually pretty good because he has been good this season, but, you know, he's still who he is, and that's kind of what pecan pie is like. First time I heard it called pecan was on Seinfeld, you know, Jerry was referring to the nut, and he. I thought, is he saying that for effect? Why? It's pecan. Why is he saying? Anyway, um, but let me ask you this. With I know it is still a whole month and a half to go, but if Dallas played Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium in the wild card, are you scared, as uh, Jerry Glanville said? Are you scared? I would be just because of the record against Brady, man. There's just so many reasons to think that Dallas can overcome that. You know, one A has to be that the Bucks just around Brady really aren't great this year. But you know, there's certain quarterback like this. There's, there's probably only two quarterbacks that really legitimately concern you in the NFC right now. Garoppolo went down and is out for the season. So right now, it really is Aaron Rodgers, but he's out of the playoff race. So. He already did his damage to the Cowboys this year. So it's Rodgers who might keep you from, you know, getting that home playoff game. And then it's Tom Brady who 
is benefiting right now from playing in a weak division. So that would scare me. You know, we'll see how the Cowboys are playing at that point. But, you know, with the amount of turnovers, they, and I'm not comparing Matt Ryan to Brady, but the amount of turnovers they just got against Ryan, can you, you know, split the difference a little bit and maybe just get one or two against Brady? And that's really all this offense would need to turn that game. So, yeah, it does concern you just because he's undefeated in his, in his prestigious career against the Cowboys. But, you know, there's more than enough to think that they could avenge that week one loss and last year's loss even and any other previous loss they've had to Brady. Yeah, and maybe we need to talk about this next week, but I, I really think you're starting to get into fireable territory with Mike McCarthy. I know it's like, they're 8-3, and three. what are you talking about? I mean, I mean 9-3, and three. and they're on a roll. How could you be talking about firing Mike McCarthy because of this? That, do you realize that Tom Brady's going to be the only quarterback of any particular experience or substance if the playoffs started today? Because Kirk Cousins has done nothing. Jalen Hurts has done nothing. Brock Purdy has done nothing. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Daniel Hill. Jones and Taylor Heineke have done nothing. So your only other – so really the guy – in the NFC is Tom Brady. And on the coaching aspect, it's the same thing. Nick Sirianni, um, Ron Rivera. I mean, maybe Ron Rivera, but then Brian Dayball, Kevin O'Connell, um, uh, Todd Bowles, and then Kyle Shanahan. So that's where Mike McCarthy's experience has got to reign. I mean, it, it's really kind of set up for the Cowboys to – I think it's an optimistic moment for the Cowboys because it plays into Mike McCarthy's experience and the lack of experienced quarterbacks in the NFC field right now. And aren't like last year, I mean, he had, uh, two years ago, his first year with Mike Nolan, you know, he has a defensive coordinator that they completely trust to – run that side of the ball and give the Cowboys an even bigger quarterback advantage when it comes to how the Cowboys defense gets after the opposing quarterback and makes it even harder on them and then allows Prescott to be in full control of the game. So, yeah, this is a wide-open year for the Cowboys. It truly is. We've said that before so many times that I know that it will generate eye rolls and, you know, right down to the last week of the season, it's going to be they haven't proven to not the same old Cowboys, anything like that, and I get it, and they've owned that. All that's fair, but if you think that, you know, some version of what you just said isn't going to be part of the pitch to Odell Beckham, that this could be an all-in type of move when you look around the NFC and and those quarterbacks that you're going to get to go up against and knowing that, you know, one big pass down the field to Beckham can make or break that game and put it out of reach when you are playing a Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts or something like that, then, you know, that's certainly going to be part of part of the sell for Odell Beckham to make this all-in type of move. We started this very podcast talking about how the Cowboys could be more like the Rams. That was all the way back in episode one after the Super Bowl, and it was right after the Rams won it all, and now they're selling themselves. They're barely recognizable, and they're barely in these games. They're getting blown out at home sometimes. They didn't get blown out today, but they did lose late to the Seattle Seahawks. So the Rams are barely recognizable. The question then becomes, would you trade what they look like now for what they look like last year and getting a Super Bowl? Every Cowboys fan would say yes, but keep in the back of your head, you know, that something like that probably wouldn't happen to this Cowboys team. They have a core in place where, you know, if they do win it all this year, where's Mika Parsons going? He's right here. Where's Dak Prescott going? He's right here. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott walks, but you can do something with Tony Pollard. You know, C.D. Lamb, he's right here. So 
yeah, this is a core that could win now and in the future, but the win now focus needs to be now because yeah, the NFC field is wide open. It got it got weakened today by the 49ers losing Garoppolo, and the opportunity is here for this team to really do something special based on just what they did against the Colts here and what they have on the schedule looking forward with these winnable games before the Eagles match up. Yeah, and what I would do is with the Odell Beckham pitch, I'd have a kicking net jump out of a birthday cake. <laughs> yes. That's a callback to his Giants days, of course, so I remember that well. Um, yeah, kicking net. If you need, like, somebody in the kicking net to, like, jump out or, like, some auto, we're doing this, like, automated for button. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a jack-in-the-box uh, birthday cake. Zeke in the box. kicking net jumps out. Going to make it the Zeke in the box of the kettle with the wind-up on the side of Prescott. That was almost better than the whack-a-mole. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, but uh, they'll certainly be scoring more touchdowns, and we'll see more people doing props with the Salvation Army kettle. All right, let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys' birthdays. Really only two that I picked out because of how momentous Week 13 was for Dallas on Monday. Babe Loffenberg turned 63 years old, played with Dallas from 1989 to 1990, backing up Troy Aikman, and he's – currently the uh, play-by-play analyst on the Dallas Cowboys radio network does a great job with Brad Sham and sideline reporter Christy Scales. On Wednesday, Terrell Owens played with Dallas from 06 to 08, turns 49 years old, so uh, get your popcorn ready and celebrate his 49th birthday, and those are your Cowboys' birthdays. I feel like ending on T.O. is a fitting note because, man, I saw on Twitter this evening, and I don't remember the name. I'm not gonna, I wouldn't call it out if I did anyway, but I think it was some 49ers reporter, just some general NFL person on Twitter who was trying to talk about where the 49ers might go at quarterback. And I did not know in December of 2022 that we are still talking about Tony Romo leaving the CBS booth being a legitimate option for any team or the fact that he would ever want to play quarterback again, especially for a team, you know, outside of Dallas. But yeah, that was suggested that, you know, that could be an option for the, for the 49ers. And it's just like, what, what year is it? <laughs> Where, how is this? When's this going to end? You know, it could be 2040 and we were going to be talking about, you know, like Jim Nance who's still doing games, coming back to play quarterback or something. So yeah, I got a good laugh out of that. Yeah. I would have an XFL team draft Roma was their quarterback. Just get it over well, with. Ben Denuti's back in that league. So. There you go, and he's the Romo of uh, Western PA. Very much so, yeah. He's been playing for uh, Seattle, I'm pretty sure. The Seattle Sea Dragons, I want to say. Yeah, I bet you they don't have a pork roll sandwich that can be found in the uh, Emerald City. Well, in, Petro- in Pennsylvania, you could. Yeah, he'd, like me, he'd have to go home and uh, you know, enjoy that. They got Wawa's up there in PA, so it's pretty good. But yeah, Seattle, Seattle, I can't speak on. So where in Ohio can I find a pork roll sandwich? You figure? Well, I have to uh, go as far east as Youngstown or Steubenville. That's put me on the spot. Yeah, I've been to like the Bowling Green area, Cleveland. Like some, I feel like somewhere in there, there's got to be a hot spot where I think you know college campus type of area. You can you can get it done, but if not, do you have a Waffle House? So a college campus type area in eastern Ohio. Well, like I said, I was in like the Bowling Green area, so that was campus. Um, 
yeah, I'll do some research for you on on where in your part of Ohio to uh, to get that done. Or you could just come to Jersey when I'm going to be there uh, towards the end of December for the holidays. So you know we can get we can get it done that way too. Well, Bowling Green's just south of Toledo, and I'm really kind of more in the Toledo statistical metropolitan area. So you so you got one in Bowling Green. Ohio, you're telling me. Where'd you get it? At? <laughs> no, I so I actually did it. But I, like just did, like I went to a Waffle House in Bowling Green and like had some other good food throughout the trip there. So like I just feel like I don't know. I'm being optimistic here, but I feel like if I did some research, I could find you one in the general Bowling Green slash maybe Cleveland slash Toledo now, greater Ohio area. You know, it's a funny thing because when I was on dating apps in Arkansas and there'd be girls on there that say they were from uh new jersey that was like an opening there's judy in it hold up there's jersey natives in arkansas yeah that was an opening line i would use was um is it pronounced a pork roll sandwich or a taylor ham sandwich i would hope most of them said pork roll of course but i'm just dumbfounded right now by the fact that there's actual new jersey natives living in arkansas like did they just get stuck not trying to make it to texas or something yeah, that must have been what happened. They had, uh, you know, their their a tire blowout or something. But uh, that's what the eagle. That's what Cowboys fans are expecting of the Eagles is for one of their tires to blow out on the way to the playoffs to say, look, they were frauds. While also hoping that the Cowboys tires don't blow out. But uh, you know, I think they're going to be driving over or having to avoid a spike strip this Sunday against the Houston Texans. We'll see. This is the trap game. This is the trap game. Uh, the elements of it. So we'll see how Dallas handles it. Yeah, Cowboys-Texans for you means uh, double work as, as well, right? So, you know, it's going to be a busy Sunday for you and have the caffeine and have the caffeine ready. Yeah, um, that's actually really not double work because it's just all one. But uh, that's for Mark Lane from Universe 832 to worry about. <laughs> Mark Lane from Universe 214 then really have to bother. Well, like I said, I will find a universe where we can get a good pork leg and cheese sandwich for you. I uh, I already hinted at it once this so, but yeah, to confirm, uh, you know, I am going to be home right this month, so I'm really looking forward to that, not only for personal reasons of seeing family and all, but we can finally do a show together where we're both in the same time zone, East Coast-wise, so we'll have that going, and uh, by then it'll be Cowboys-Eagles weekend, which always brings up, you know, some heated rivalry moments and Eagles fans and all of that, but we have to get through the Texans and Jaguars first. So trying to avoid what could be three straight trap games, and the Cowboys did a great job of that Sunday night against the Colts, making a statement that they're not going to fall for any trap games. The Packers game was maybe as close as it's going to get, and they've always had your number, of course, Green Bay, so you move on from that game. And McCarthy spoke to how emotional it was, and so you move on from that, and you get a big win, 54-19. Yeah, and so, again, we'll see. It's the fortnight of traps. I'm Mark Lane. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Follow Sean at Sean Martin NFL. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify. Tune in and Stitcher. So there it is. <laughs>